Hi, I'm Amber Cook. Welcome to my podcast, The Dragonfly Connection. Join me every Wednesday for open, honest, and real conversations about change, transformation, and resilience to inspire and empower you. This episode is sponsored by HealingWays.com. Find verified wellness professionals and holistic health resources at HealingWays. That's HealingWaze.com. listeners and newbies too. First of all, I want to tell you how much I appreciate your support. And I hope that you're not just listening to support me. I hope you're getting something out of this as well. In fact, I get very valuable information and inspiration from these podcasts as well. Uh, So today's episode is going to be different because after editing and producing last week's episode, I found myself getting super inspired. So today, I thought it would be fun to dive back into some past episodes and just pull out some really inspirational, juicy, awesome content, my favorite parts of those episodes for you to listen to in case you missed it or you just want to hear it again. There's going to be clips from the top five of the Dragonfly Connection, which started in 2021, and also the top five from the original format called the Holistic Healing Connection. I'm really excited because these clips are parts of episodes that I really found useful and inspiring, and I hope that you do too. Enjoy. This first clip is from Expansive Life with Christine Rosenquist. In it, she's talking about life after divorce and making a career change. Took off like a rocket. You know, it's once I, I learned a transcendental meditation and one of the teachings is once you put one little pinky toe in the right direction of your life, things just fall into place. That's it's like awesome. your life life is not supposed to be a struggle. You're not supposed to be constantly fighting against a current that's holding you down. Life is expansive and beautiful Mm -hmm. and wonderful if we pay attention to what's coming in to our world. And that was my start of like really paying attention. Well, why is this person coming into my world? Why is this situation keep happening for me? Where Mm -hmm. is my lesson to grow? So I don't keep repeating this thing because I can't change anybody else. Everybody is, you know, just it's their own business. But if I'm feeling triggered or if I'm curious about why this pattern keeps happening or why I'm not advancing in my career or why I'm still not making enough money, I look inward very much so. And, you know, meditation really helped that. And then I had two mentors in my life, Jewel Alexander and my really good friend, John, and they both are just very spiritual people, seeking type people mm-hmm. um, that really um, helped and guided me, you know, in those, those years. And I also had the pleasure of having a conversation with Christine's husband, Russ McGarry. His episode is called Die Hard for Your Dreams. In this clip, he's chatting about his 15 minutes of fame and his philosophy on life and success and failure. So in 1996, uh, a cinnamon bun was discovered at Bongo Java Coffee House, where I was working at the time, Uh uh, that resembled the Holy Mother of Calcutta, Mother Teresa. Yes. 
It was discovered by my friend Todd Truly, who, if you look him up, he was on the show Nashville. He's kind of an actor you'd see around. And so he and I, here's a comedy writer and here's a funny guy. And here we're both, you know, we both like making stuff. So here comes Michael McNamara and he goes, that cinnamon bun does look like Mother Teresa. We've been showing it to regulars. And it was just a joke. Like we'd had it on a plate and people would laugh. And so he's like, well, let's make a little, little fake documentary about it. Like it's really famous. <laughs> yeah. So um, we shot like a documentary over the course of like four hours one day with the regulars in the coffee house, taking it around. Todd pretended to be the manager of the bun. I was the guy with the microphone interviewing him. Uh, it was all way over the top and stupid. It was eight minutes long. And um, we showed it at the coffee house to the regulars one night. We just had a big screening for it. And uh, everyone liked it. And the local newspaper, the Nashvilleian, ran a story on it. And they uh-huh. were like, this is really cute. It was coming towards Christmas. There wasn't a lot of news. So uh, here's a feel-good story. Mm-hmm. And uh, it hits the Nashville and we all went, oh, this is funny that it did that. And we all kind of looked at each other, the owner, Bob and Todd and I went, all right, that was a neat little ride. Well, then the AP got a hold of it. And so now it's hit the wire and it went worldwide, unbeknownst to us. So now CNN shows up with camera crews. Um, we did about 250 morning talk show interviews over the course of a week there's three of us on three different phones with three different places around the world talking about this we had a website set up it was insane it was absolutely and this is pre youtube pre anything that there's we basically made that this stupid documentary for like the random 29 people that were at this screening and now all of a sudden david letterman's people are contacting us and Leno was mentioning it in his monologue and it's appearing on sitcoms and like the name they're just dropping this mention constantly and then the big contact was mother Teresa contacted us or rather oh her lawyer gosh. did okay. yeah, her lawyer wow. mother Teresa had a lawyer <laughs> in Florida who sent us a cease and desist letter oh my God. to stop using her name mother Teresa Sinnott <laughs> when you get a cease and desist letter from mother Teresa you kind of start to think we might be assholes if we don't cease and desist so um, right. instead copyrighted the word that word nun bun because mm-hmm. now everyone knew what it was anyway so then it became the nun bun and as of i want to say t- almost 10 years ago you can google it um it was stolen from the coffee house it had been in there forever and uh oh. it is now missing so someone broke into the coffee house and stole the nun bun so what <laughs> That was my 15 minutes of fame. I think that's, that's the one thing. The one thing that carried me to stardom. Sometimes it's the oddest things, right? The things that happen oh, to us just shoot us out in different is. directions. And you have no idea where, where you're going to land. And my whole, my whole take with anything like that is to always yes and. There's always yes and. Like, well, here's this cinnamon bun. It looks like Mother Teresa. Let's make a documentary about it. Why? Well, why not? Because we can show it here. Okay, I yes and did that well well then then what's next well now cnn wants to send a camera crew by okay yes then what else can happen well david letterman wants to fly you out and have you on the show until he finds out that you guys know it's funny okay yeah and then what can happen you know just we just kept doing it with that and that's been my whole my whole life has been that is it has been a series of yes ands for better or for worse but if i don't take the risk then you know it's a classic if you don't vote you can't complain it's like well if i don't try it then i can't complain and bitch that i didn't get it so why not right. try it and see what happens yes i and love that there's plenty of failures in there true there's a- 
Yeah. But, you know, I mean, it's a cliche, but failure is part of success. So, I mean, it's just necessary. It's, failure is part of life. Yeah. It's all a process. You mm-hmm. know, it's, it's everything is a process. This next clip is from my conversation with Vanessa Kuto in the episode Purpose Quest. She's chatting about her journey from Brazil, then New York, and then how she ended up in Portland and how she chose to make this change, this choice, in spite of everyone thinking she was crazy. Moving across the country on a dream, really. Um, really. What What do you think, looking back, because not everybody is able to do that. That's. I mean, that takes some real courage. What? Where do you think that's come from? Like, that you're the type of person that can do that. And yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure you were, there were a lot of times you were scared. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but like, what just kept you going, going like, I'm just doing this? Well, funny enough, at the time when I said, when I finally could tell people I'm moving to Portland, because uh, everybody's like, where are you going? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I remember some people being like, so are you going to go granola on us now and Birkenstock? And I'm like, no. Um, but a lot of my friends in New York were like, you're, you're crazy. Like most people say I'm going to move. They're like, I'm going to move to the next borough or the next couple of streets over, you know, and you're going to just move 3,000 miles away. Uh-huh. And even when I left Brazil to go to New York, um, the third time right that I left mm-hmm. Brazil, I was leaving, you know, my failed marriage. And I was like, I'm not sticking around. And even in Brazil, my friends were like, what are you doing? How can you just up and leave? You know, within, I think within five weeks of he, him and I sort of being like calling it quits. I was like, I'm on my flight to New York, you know, again, no job. Yeah. Uh, just going. Granted in New York, I did have my father and my stepmother. So I had a place to land. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, it's kind of hard to say. I just always had this, maybe because I left my country at a young age, mm-hmm. um, 10, you know, so I already had that experience of like major move. Mm-hmm. Without, and knowing that it's scary, but that you figured it out. Like you, you figured were, it out. Yeah. yeah. I think a little bit, too, is from my own parents. My own parents had the, the, the I mean, they're the ones who initiated those, those early moves. Mm-hmm. I think this, my father and my mother, both in their own way, had this ability to be like, all right, we gotta got to go do it. You know, there's mm-hmm. opportunity and you just got to do it. I think my father perhaps had a bit of a, uh, more of a sense of the adventure, I think, on a certain level. The move to the U.S. Uh, definitely was my father's, uh, more of a, his idea in a way. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a bit of that, mm-hmm. maybe kind of in the DNA. But I think on a on a personal level, on a personality level, maybe, I'm just always like, I've always been mystified, very curious but also it's very foreign to me when I meet people who have never left where they've been born mm-hmm. or not to mention even traveled abroad. I, I'm just like, you, you're like from another planet. <laughs> like, tell me what is going on inside. I just, I can't, I can't believe it. <laughs> I'm very curious. I don't understand it. And at the same time, there's a level of like, I respect that, but I could not do it. Um, I agree. It, it, it seems a bit like it's a whole big world. Why not try something else? Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. 
So I think it was a bit of that, because even when I told my father at the time that I was coming, he was like, at first, he actually at first didn't like it. He was like, what? And then pretty soon after, he was like, oh, I get it. You just, you know, you just need to go. And he, he joked and said, oh, you really wanted to go to Japan, but you decided to stop halfway, you know, <laughs> not go all the way. But, and then later on, when he came to visit, um, he said, you, he, one day he said to me, he's like, you did what I didn't do. You went further. You oh. went further out. You really kind of sort of got into the country, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. He felt like, well, he stayed always in the East Coast, always very close to the Brazilian community, always. And he felt that he could have gone further in, 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 in his mind, if you will, gone native, really deep into, the, yeah. into American culture. And he said that I had done it. Yeah. But I was... I would say I was probably one of the first ones in my family. This next clip is from Natasha Nirvana called Your Healing Journey. We're discussing how at a young age, she started a business and also left an abusive marriage. Who initiated the divorce? I did. Um, <laughs> what was the what was the final straw? What made you actually do it? Um. So the drug addiction got worse and worse and worse. Mm -hmm. And the whole time there was cheating, if not physical cheating, emotional cheating. Yeah. Um, kind of started to happen on both parts because they, being somebody that was like, I, I needed that like emotional help. And so for my part, it was like seeking out people that I could just talk to and like get support from. Mm -hmm. Um but the drug addiction got so bad. We had moved back in with our parents. We were living separately, but there was still this idea that we were going to work on it and change it. And I was over at his house one time with his parents. And I remember his mom sat me down and she had a conversation with me. And she said, essentially like you need to make this better this is your responsibility like you need to do the work to make it better and it was in that conversation that I went oh hell no yeah <laughs> because I was like why are you talking to me about this like can you not see that he's the problem like that he's the one that needs to choose to change that there's nothing that I can do like I've done I was at that point where like she sat down with me and I was like I've literally done everything that I can at this point and there's nothing more that I could possibly do to fix this or change this person and so it was finally like me letting go of like I can't fix you I can't make you better like there's nothing I can do anymore and I just have to let it go and let you go yeah and focus on my own healing because I had lost all of who I was to that person yeah um, I had lived for that person and for my business and done zero living for me and I didn't know who I was anymore yeah. um no. was it so is that that conversation with his mom that kind of it sounds like that was a real pivotal conversation. Yeah, that was super what pivotal. Divine, divine timing. <laughs> yes, yes. That and the other thing that was super pivotal was I um, 
picked up a book by an author. His name is H.D. Tudor, and he has a whole series of books on narcissists. Mm. And he's a narcissist, so it's a book about narcissists written by a narcissist. This next clip is from my conversation with Star Shepherd Decker in her episode titled Yes And. She's dropping all kinds of self-love and inspirational wisdom. Do you have any words of wisdom to share with people who might be struggling to stay committed in their own growth and healing right now because we are still in the muck for a lot of people yeah what do you have to say about that yeah i just say you know get the healing get the support take a training if you need to take a training but don't lose connection to yourself you know, and make your relationship with yourself and how you feel about yourself and how you feel about your life the most important thing Yes. And yes. not in a selfish me, me, me sort of way, but in like an honoring of all your parts, you know, yeah. an honoring of who of who you really are. Because despite what the society has told you, you are inherently worthy. You don't have to do anything or add anything or take anything away to be worthy of having what your heart desires. There may be some effort involved. There may be some growth involved, but you're worthy of having it. And when you have that as your baseline, doesn't matter what life throws at you you know this last year was hard for me but my knowing i'm worth it and knowing i have something to contribute to the world and to humanity um is what got me through you know and what keeps me showing up so i'd say the two kernels of the core foundational is like know you're worth it and be clear on what your why is Mm -hmm. so that when things get hard you can grab onto that as your anchor and you know i discovered years ago that my big why for everything I do is I want to leave people feeling more connected, worthy, and free. Whether Beautiful. I meet someone at the grocery store, whether it's on a podcast interview, whether it's just a smile, you know, when that's a thing again. <laughs> you know, it's like I want to leave everyone who I come into contact with leaving feeling just a little bit or a lot more connected to themselves and each other and the world and nature or God, whatever that means mm-hmm. for them more you know worthy of being exactly who they are and more free to create a life that feels good and supportive yeah and i just want to follow up to that because you did um, mention the word selfish in there and when people hear people like you and i talk about like you just said one of your biggest accomplishments accomplishments is you mm-hmm. <laughs> someone might take that as selfish and that's fine because you know what you said selfish it is selfish and you know what in my opinion i believe it is important for us to be selfish sometimes because when we're being selfish in quotes which just sounds like such a negative word yeah. but it's not mm-hmm. that selfishness does exactly what you just said it ripples out to other people it actually helps other people when we take care of ourselves first be selfish yeah (laughs) or like i said earlier you know as an empath i have to make sure i am full of myself and what i mean is like full of my own energy so that i can stay connected to myself even around other strong personalities and so like re like yeah let's let's reclaim the the phrases selfish and full of yourself because those are actually really great things to be I think so too. I'm going to start using that. I'm so full of myself. Yeah. <laughs> full of yourself. Victor Beretta Pazos has another story, similar but very different from Vanessa's story about change and just doing it anyway, no matter what other people think. And this episode was titled Going with the Flow. 
You made two big choices that I'm sure other people might have questioned. When you Italy, back, back to Italy yeah. in six months, just in the United States, yeah. Yeah, so... Myself, what? you know, I could have just go with a comfortable thing and keep doing it and grow a fantastic career. Mm-hmm. Or I just, like, something within my heart said, are you sure... And you know, I, I had a neighbor, she had a friend that she did tarot cards and I did a tarot card with like a tarot reading with her very informally there at her house. And uh, I don't remember the specifics, but that convinced me to go into the trip. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I mean, it probably confirms some things that you were already feeling and having having that confirmation however that happens it was kind of just a little extra push you needed so that's awesome and so many great things do come about when we do listen to what our intuition our heart is telling us even if other people think it's crazy like my parents (laughs) yes exactly parents probably weren't fully on board and you just did it anyway you had awesome adventures you changed your career you met your wife and then in that year of traveling what fun little surprises happened well my wife got pregnant And we've, we've, we've talked widely about it. We knew that we wanted to grow a family together. Mm-hmm. Really, at that time, we were like not yet fully prepared for what was happening. But, you know, as I think I told you before, sometimes life is what happens while you make other plans, right? This next clip with Lynn Del Mastro Thompson, it's different than what you're used to on the Dragonfly Connection. But on the Holistic Healing Connection, the whole focus was healing your body, your mind, your spirit through holistic and alternative healing methods. So in this episode titled Body Talk and Weight Loss, that's what we're talking about. After um, I had gotten that misdiagnosis of leukemia where I actually had the complete opposite experience and I was underweight. Mm, Okay. So I've kind of experienced both sides and that to me was very foreign because most of my life experience to that point was always like, I carry a little bit of extra weight. Like I would be happier, you know, losing 10, 15 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what I should mention, I'm not going to give away your age unless you want me to. (laughs) You can. (laughs) (laughs) So you did just turn 40. Not very long ago. Last year. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, you hear people all the time that at 40, you can't lose weight. It just gets harder and harder. And so you are saying just like a lot of things that you go like, no, that does not have to be the truth. <laughs> yes. That's my big message in the world about a lot of things. It that doesn't really have- is. It really is. And you're living it. This clip from Stop Doubting Yourself with Ashley Rainsbarger is all about mindset, self-sabotage and intuition. We're trying to do things like in life and in business. We're always I think we don't realize how much we come from like that scarcity mindset, how much Mm -hmm. we're living the fear. And if you're like deeply connected to your intuition, you really kind of turn that on its head and you start to listen to what is it that I really want? What are the things that I would really do if I wasn't so scared? Mm -hmm. And why am I so scared? Like, where does that come from? Does Mm -hmm. it come from experience I had as a child? Does it come from you know, something embarrassing that happened to me as an adult. Like it's just helped me figure out who I am and why I do the things that I do. And in doing that, I kind of have figured out my own patterns. So, so I can see like when I'm starting to sabotage myself, Mm -hmm. um, I kind of stop and take a breath and realize, you know, what am I doing? Why am I doing that? And then I can recalibrate, (laughs) can (laughs) re-figure out like, 
okay, what direction do I really want to go in if I'm not listening to my fear and I am listening to my intuition? That's awesome. So it sounds like it's given you the ability to easily recognize those things more so than you did before. And you can, I think that's the first step, right? Is just recognizing that. And that can be hard enough for a lot of people. And then you come back to what you know, what you've been taught. This next clip is from Transitions and Change with Gail Cerna. Gail is a psychic medium and spiritual counselor. In this little clip, she's chatting about her own personal transitions and change and giving some advice on how you can handle yours more successfully. So that was a piece. It's called, I did what's called automatic writing with the Souls Collective. Okay. And automatic writing is where you um, open yourself up to the energies and the light. You protect yourself with, you know, the, the bubble around you. Uh, I say the Holy Spirit bubble around me. It can be any light, white light or golden bubble. So, and you ground yourself into the earth and you just ask for love as part of your intention. And then once you kind of set the stage for that, um, then as I breathe through, breathing through helps me change my focus. Mm-hmm. Changing your focus is one of the ways you tap into psychic development. You can change your focus through going out in the nature. You can change your focus through breath work. So for me, it's breath work. Um, and then once I bring through the soul's collective, I, I'll ask them questions. And then from there, I just open myself up to hearing their message. And sometimes I've got recordings on my on my. Um, phone on my video but in this case I was actually letting them channel through me through automatic writing through writing so I was listening to what they were saying and capturing it through writing and um, I asked them I was having a really hard time because I'm at the stage where I'm an empty nester yeah and um, my two kids are in college um, on the east coast and and they're not near me and I really don't have a lot of family near me and I'm sad. I mean, my husband and I just have like all this time on our hands and we have to like find things to do now to keep ourselves kind of occupied, probably going to start volunteering or going back to church. I'm not sure. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, so it's a really weird kind of time and I was feeling sorry for myself. So I went into my focused headspace to talk to them to find out what they could say about transitions and so all this other stuff came up they did answer my question about my kids transitions but they they started out by saying well there's many transitions on the earth um and transitions are a part of life and there's nothing that people can do uh to not uh have a transition and it was amazing to me how long my life did stay the same without transitions so that's with my parents dying and before my kids moved away. So I feel fortunate that I had a continuous cycle where I had, didn't really have transitions for many, many years. So mm-hmm. I feel blessed. I feel yeah. blessed with that. Um, but as I'll, I'll tackle. So the first transition is when the soul comes through the birth canal and that's the transition of birth where the soul mm-hmm. makes decision in between their lifetimes with their own spirit support team um, that they're coming to the earth. And they might come to the earth for various reasons because they're trying to learn life lessons or there's just all kinds of reasons why they decide to incarnate on the earth. And a lot of it's because there's many wonderful things about being on the earth. Um, you, you have these physical senses where you can taste, um, you can touch another person, you can have experiences that you just couldn't have as a soul. Yeah. So there's many reasons why souls come here. 
So in between lives, they decide with their spirit support team they're going to come here. So then it's a matter of finding the hopefully the right match. And um, it's really the soul that picks the family. It's not the other way around. And sometimes they might pick a family where um, well, a lot of people say, well, why as a soul did I pick pick a life in a third world country, let's say. Mm-hmm. Well, it's because there's life lessons that that soul has is, has to learn. So, you know, going, going back to like the kids and them leaving the nest. At first I was using guilt to like say to my kids, oh, come when you graduate, I want you to come back and live near us. You don't have to live in our house, but I want you to live physically where we live. <laughs> my husband's like, oh, stop doing that. You're really giving them a lot of guilt. And they were feeling guilty too because my other daughter, my oldest who's graduating, already has a job lined up for her and it's not near us. It's in where a is it? State. It's in the East Coast. Okay. And so I'm just like, oh, oh. Yeah, so that was hard for me. And what what, what I channeled was – you need to allow the soul to figure out what they're meant to do and how they're meant to serve, what their life's purpose is, and allow them um, to really nurture that because it's their soul's calling them to be in that physical location for a reason. And it's things we can't understand in our shell of a human. Mm-hmm. So to allow them to experience what they need to experience without putting any anything on them like the guilt and then um, I'm then I then I, the article went in I was thinking to myself well what happens when people make bad decisions and you know they're my kids didn't make a bad decision necessarily my youngest may have made some things I felt <laughs> might have been bad decisions yeah but I was asking so what happens when we see that our kids are making bad decisions oh this is a good one the answer to that was you know what, allow them to make the bad decision. You can gently nudge them and say you think it might be a bad decision, but don't use any more force on that because their soul is here to learn a lesson. This next clip is with Laura Rao. And if you've been listening for a while, you might recognize her name. She was my first guest on the Dragonfly Connection. But this clip is from her episode that aired on the Holistic Healing Connection titled Thriving as an Empath. In this clip, we're chatting about boundaries and people-pleasing. Yeah. And the only people you can heal are the people who pay you to be healed. <laughs> yeah, because and yourself. <laughs> and yourself. And because they're giving you permission. You know, that's yeah. the permission slip. Mm-hmm. Everything else is called enmeshment or entanglement, and mm-hmm. it's not for you. It's not your – you can be supportive with boundaries. So yeah. I believe all boundaries begin with that energetic boundary getting stronger, so mm-hmm. doing your work and clearing. Because once you clear everybody else out of your bubble, there's there's you in there and just you in there. Yeah, And one of the common traits of – of trauma experiencing empaths is codependency and wanting to Mm. people please. And yeah, they, we, and I am a recovering people pleaser. Yes, me too. (laughs) We're programmed to think of everyone else's needs first to the exclusion of ourselves, but we don't even know we're doing that. We don't even know that it's not what we want. Mm -hmm. When you clear everyone out of your bubble, there's just you in there. And you begin slowly to notice what you want before you pay attention to what other people want. Yeah. 
And that's, that is the beginning of healthy boundaries. Yeah. When you can sense what it is that you genuinely want in a situation before worrying or thinking about what other people want you to do. Mm-hmm. And then it's practicing. It's practicing saying no and, and having scripts sometimes if it's really hard for us. It's, mm-hmm. you know, how do you want it to be? Because what, what a lot of us tend to do, especially those who are recovering from trauma, mm-hmm. is we say, no, I'm not going to do that. How dare you ask me? Because we think <laughs> we're being boundaried. <laughs> <laughs> but we can be boundaried and kind. And it's yes. not mean to say no. And that's yeah. been our program. Our program is that we have to help other people and we have to be there for them. Mm-hmm. And we feel selfish and rude saying no or or saying yes. I mean, just doing something opposite of what people want us to do. Yeah. And or so it no with a million excuses. Saying no. <laughs> so it, it takes practice standing in that energy. It takes practice to think of the words and if you're someone who has a hard time thinking on the spot, that's why I say write them down and practice ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Use tools like email and texting until you feel strong enough to say it to them in person. Mm-hmm. Because every win makes you understand that people aren't in relationship with you just because you make their life easy. And if they are, they can go. It's okay. Thanks for going down memory lane with me. That was so much fun. I hope you enjoyed it as well. And I highly encourage you to check out all those episodes. That's why I gave you the title before each clip to listen to them in their entirety. You can go to your favorite podcast streaming platform and find all the episodes of the Dragonfly Connection. And if you just scroll back down to season one, so just keep on scrolling, you'll get to the old episodes of the Holistic Healing Connection. And join me next week for a brand new episode with brand new content. Have an awesome week. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Our stories may be different, but we all have one thing in common. We're all trying to figure out how to navigate life on this planet, and none of us have it completely figured out. No matter what you're going through in your life, just know that you are never really alone. Come back every Wednesday for more inspiration and connection, and follow me on Instagram at thedragonflymama.com so we can stay in touch between episodes. Take care. Take care.